Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Welcome to the Content Experience Show, also known as Connex, and I am Randy, I've got Anna with me, and we want to tell you everything you need to know in this upcoming podcast, which was a beauty. It was Jessica Cross, Manager of Demand Generation at Rollworks, which is part of AdRoll Group. And she hits on, I think, one of the best definitions ever of, first of all, what the difference between a B2B and B2C marketing path looks like, but then gets into how to use content effectively within there. And, and of course, also touches on Patrick Swayze, which you're wondering about, but we're not going to tell you about. Anna, what was your biggest takeaway from this podcast this week? Oh, I have to say, I'm just going to spoil it. Jessica gave one of the most sound ways to map customer journey paths with a brand that I've heard in a long time. And and sound in a way of, you can literally take everything that she just said, she gives you the entire framework, and you could go do it right now. And it's, it's based off of feedback from your customers. And the way that she did it, the way that she approached it, was my favorite part. Yeah, we I mean, we were chatting kind of in between segments, as we often do. And, you know, one of the things that she kind of even alluded to is just how important it's been for her to talk to customers along the way, which was so refreshing. And, you know, she kind of, you know, shot in the legs some content marketers she's worked with over the years and saying like, some of them just don't take the time to ever talk to customers and she hates them for that, which I loved. You know, she may not want me to know I said that uh, or admit that out loud, but this was a great podcast. Even you and I, Anna, we said like, she was just so nice to speak to. And, And I think you'll, you'll get that listening to this podcast. Totally. Yeah. She was easy to talk to. She gave amazing advice with pretty much every single second of this podcast and even handled your Patrick Swayze trivia question pretty well. Yes. Yes. Now everyone's curious. So they're just going to have to listen to the next time with Jessica, but it's great and engaging. So let's roll it. And you got to bring her in. Here we go. Jessica, thank you so much for being here today. It's really great to talk to you. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me. It's really fun to be with you too. Yeah. So we've gotten to chit chat a little bit off the air, but for um, all of our listeners, go ahead and tell them a little bit about you. Officially, my name is Jessica Cross. I work for the AdRoll Group, specifically Rollworks, which is the B2B division. Um, and I now manage our demand generation here. Nice. So what does that like a day-to-day look like? Because that there's a lot in terms of what demand generation encompasses. There's a lot that AdRoll and Rollworks do. So what kind of does your day-to-day look like? Yeah. Day-to-days are fun, exciting, seems to change. Seems like even though I've been here close to three years, every year it's a different job, uh, which is a good thing. But my day-to-days are all things digital marketing, advertising, paid acquisition, as we call it, I run events and field marketing 
direct mail in there as well. So I kind of, to me, I round that out as my ABM approach, as well as a lot of work with my sales leadership and our operations team to make sure the, the efforts that my team undertakes actually go somewhere. Does it get handed off to sales? Does it turn into revenue? All those good things. That, that's a little bit to keep you busy, huh? But it's fun. It's great. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and, and you and I uh, connected at an event, speaking of event marketing, so I'm, I'm curious, you referred in, in what you do in the company you're with being AdRoll or Rollworks within AdRoll. It, it's interesting to me that there's a marketing team that's separately focused on the B2B side. And I'm wondering, like, do you see inside of that organization a major difference between the B2C product and B2C approach that you may have versus selling to the B2B marketer in terms of how you need to go to market? Most definitely. So at the high level, ad role is display advertising and di- like digital marketing acqu- acquisition solutions for marketers. And we can serve both a B2C style marketer, like an e-commerce marketer, as well as a B2B marketer, which I think most of us are. For B2B marketers, when you run ads, the main thing you're trying to get someone to do is to hit the website and turn into a lead. And then that lead, maybe six months, nine months, a year later, could turn into revenue for your business. And that's a basic approach for that funnel. For e-commerce, their ads drive them to the website and ideally someone purchases right then and there. Or maybe they purchase within a 14-day, 30-day period. So the product has to behave and report and function quite differently for an e-commerce marketer versus a B2B marketer. Uh, and last year, we decided that we just weren't doing a good job of serving all of our customers with one platform. So to be better customer service, we actually split into two business units. And we're now we're seeing to see more differentiation between our product lines. That's really cool. Real quick, not to diverge, but I love that you just outlined sort of the different lead times and the mm-hmm. different functions. Because one of the things that I find so often it's so frustrating is that people kind of apply those lead times to just everything, like blanket. Like you did the thing, so go get the customers, go get the leads. So I love that you just clearly differentiated and articulated that. Like I'm immediately like fanning over here. <laughs> <laughs> now you know, and it, it, it starts to to make sense too, Anna, because you know, as, as you're describing that. And this this podcast is often very much tied back to content. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about the not just the product that you have, but your acquisition strategy yourself for these customers may need to be a little bit different, a little bit different style. But w- would you say that's accurate? Like, is it is it help to have two different marketing teams, or are you ultimately yourselves acquiring customers along the same type of pipeline, whether they're selling B 2 C or they're selling B to be. Yes. So again, about our marketing team, I think about my job last year and I was trying to service an enterprise sales team, a mid-market sales team, MB, which is direct. People hit the website and signed up for an account and started spending as well as regions. So I would be supporting Dublin and Japan and Australia. And that was kind of crazy, but also really fun. But I was, I've, we would say that the marketing team was unfocused. So now we have two marketing teams. The ad roll side is a little bit bigger than the Rollworks side. We have about 12, 12 people on the Rollworks marketing team. And now we, I just get to focus on enterprise-style B2B marketing. I don't have to switch my brain back and forth between trying to run a field 
a roadshow for a bunch of enterprise sales reps to then go focusing on how do I convert more people from a free trial to spend within 30 days? Because that's two different types of marketing. Uh, That makes so much sense. And and maybe where we can take the conversation now, I know Anna and I were both like licking our lips at this, you know, before the show. And and you've actually lined it really nicely up here so far is, you know, with, with these timelines that you have as a B2B marketer and your need to work with these enterprise customers, with all that time, how does content play a role at different stages? Like, I, I think a lot of us guiltily think content marketing is inbound, inbound, top of the funnel, you know, get a lead and then sales will go take care of things, right? Uh, but it, it's not that way. I mean, people listening to this know that. How do you think of that? Content marketing for me is it's the art of storytelling and everyone, we all want to be told a story that we can believe in that helps guide us through our journey. So ideally content marketing, it it hits on our emotional pain points as well as maybe the work pain points. And it can guide us from not only just the top of funnel acquisition, but through the whole journey. And even if your sales reps are using the content to deliver through their email, it should be tailored to the customer's lifecycle stage. We hear so much about you got to deliver the the right message at the right time to the right buyer. And in order to really do so, you need to build out a full library of your content that ideally answers their questions. You know, why do I need to buy this solution? Why should I buy this solution right now over any other solution? Why is this solution going to solve my needs versus me just building it myself? You want to be able to answer all those questions more so than just all that top of funnel acquisition. So in order to answer all of those questions, how do you and the team go about doing that? Because I think a lot of times when we talk to content marketers and we talk to people who are trying to discover what their users really want, there's a lot of different methods. There's a lot of different approaches and there's just so many questions. So how did you and the team go about starting to address some of the questions that your customers have and take on this approach? For sure. And by no means was this methodology scientific I got to say that, but it worked for us. So last year I was the life cycle marketer for AdRoll, which meant my brain was dedicated specifically to thinking about how do I take someone from a net new name to close one business? Because we had another person on the team focus on the acquisition. So I got to spend a lot of time on this and I developed things like a content matrix. I also sat in a lot of demo calls with customers so I could hear what the pain points were. And thanks to Chorus, we could actually transcribe all those demo calls. And it allowed me to to boil down the common questions that people ask in the pitch calls and in the demo calls. From there, I actually made, I'm a big on making spreadsheets. So I made a a spreadsheet of all the questions and then I tagged them by like the life cycle stage and then tried to quote like, do some sentiment analysis of the pain points, which I then worked with my content marketing manager at the time to map out like five big buckets of our lifecycle stage and then the common questions asked at each stage. Then we took our existing content and we figured how much we had that could answer each of those questions. And of course, lo and behold, a lot of our content was very much at the top of the funnel. And we had a lot of green space in, you know, the sit, like the SDR, like the demo call to NBS rep handoff. You know, why should someone care about taking an appointment with us? Then we also found we had big green space around our onboarding to answer more of the technical questions on how do you get up and running? What are the steps to 
picking a target account list and figuring out what ads to serve to that target account list. So going through that exercise, maybe it took us like a couple months. My content marketing manager then had a full list of things to work on for the rest of the year, which was great. And I then had content to put in multiple different nurture streams. So I love that you started off that entire process with, it wasn't very scientific, but I think you need to take a step back and give yourself some massive credit because listeners, everybody hearing this, Jessica literally just gave you the roadmap for how you can go figure out your customer's journey with you and how you can attack their questions at each stage. And Jessica, I have to say that is actually literally the exact approach I would have taken as well. So please take a step back and give yourself credit because the whole time you were explaining this in your process, Mm -hmm. I was like, yes, 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 amazing, yes, amazing. And even just listening to your customers, it's such a missing part of that process that a lot of content marketers they're just missing it. And and just even all of that anecdotal proof and the validation and just hearing them, it's gold. It is content gold. It is journey mapping gold. And it's just something that people aren't even doing. Yeah. My aim is that through our content, we're able to answer their core questions and that we're able to tell a story that resonates with, with the buyer as to why our solution should matter, why we should take up 15 minutes of their day. So what, what I want to do, I want to dig a little bit deeper because I, I think, as Anna said, you really gave us a good framework, but I, I want to go into some specifics of uh, takeaways that you found in that green space and content you created. But let's take a quick break. We'll first hear from some of our sponsors here on the Content Experience Show. And then we'll be right back with Jessica Cross to learn more about mapping content. Hi, friends. This is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, reminding you that this show, the Connect Show podcast, is brought to you by Uberflip, the number one content experience platform. Do you ever wonder how content experience affects your marketing results? Well, you can find out in the first ever content experience report, where Uberflip uncovers eight data science-backed insights to boost your content engagement and your conversions. It's a killer report, and you do not want to miss it. Get your free copy right now at uberflip.com slash connex show report. That's uberflip.com slash connex show report. And the show is also brought to you by our team at Convince and Convert Consulting. If you've got a terrific content marketing program, but you want to take it to the very next level, we can help. Convince and Convert works with the world's most iconic brands to increase the effectiveness of their content marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing, and word of mouth marketing. Find us at Convince and Convert. So a lot of you may be wondering, why would I send you to bit.ly slash Instagram for tours? It's a report coming from Convince and Convert that's all about Instagram for tourism marketing. Now, some of you may be saying, I'm not a tourism marketer. Granted, I like to go on tours and I like to travel around. But I always like to say we can learn so much from different areas that are outside of our focus. And I think the travel industry, the tourism marketing that's going on these days the degree of personalization that's needed is so important. So to boost your Instagram views, likes, and visitors in 2019, go to bit.ly slash Instagram for tours. All right. So Jessica, I'm still kind of excited coming off of that last answer that you gave us and this idea of the steps that you're doing to map the matrix. In fact, this is a true story. I just finished the manu- you know, finalizing the manuscript of my book. And like we were looking for examples of people doing this right. 
And a lot of the things we talked about people doing is exactly what you are doing. So maybe you can give us, I, I mean, it's one thing to say you've got the right framework. I, I think sometimes where people really walk away is a great example. So maybe you could give us an example of what is your solution all about kind of in that middle to bottom of funnel? What was some of that green space you did? And then how did you get the content team on side to create that asset? And what results did you see? A question that kept coming up in the demo calls and what I could hear from sales reps was all around, I think of this as like a barrier to getting them to move to the next step in our in our buyer's journey. But a lot of marketers, they want to do account-based marketing, but they don't have a target account list. But they know that they need to be doing ABM. So they have this hurdle that they need to get over. So I worked with my content marketer to think about a checklist of different ways that one could go about building a target account list. And it kind of was like a, a follow your own destiny type of map. That's how it turned out. But it's like, if you have at least an idea about your industries, you can do this kind of target account list. Or if you know your customers, we could model data after your customers. Or if you don't have any of those things, but at least you know geography. So we were trying to give the prospect three different options or just some ideas on how they could get over the hurdle of not having a target account list to keep them moving forward in the buyer's journey. Once we identified that as being a critical question, the production of the content was actually really quick. I think it took us only two weeks from typing it up, running it through copy edits, putting it to the designer to design this nice little checklist. And that checklist actually goes in a direct mail piece that we send out after someone takes their first demo with us. So they take the demo, they like what they see, but then potentially they have some hurdles they need to get over. So ideally the checklist helps them through those, those objections. I find this really interesting. And I actually want to go back to the beginning of this process because this is the part that I think a lot of people listening to this are trying to figure out. Because we started off that you are manager of demand generation. Mm-hmm. Nowhere in that job title does it say content, right? But, but of course, you're here talking all about content, which is refreshing in itself. Where would you say the ideation phase for content here should, be, should come from? Is it coming from the content marketer or is it coming from demand gen or is it coming from someone else that we're not even identifying? It has to come from both. Otherwise, content marketing can produce things that won't get used. I actually just had a meeting with my marketing manager. He runs all of our digital earlier this morning uh, where we're starting to build out our 2019 wish list. We have a new content marketer starting in the new year. I'm very excited for her to join. But I want her and my digital marketing manager to work really closely together to figure out what are the, the pieces of content, the blog posts, the SEO keyword rankings that we need to rank on? Um, figure those things out together so that her efforts, whatever she produces, actually gets used in the wild. Because sadly, I have been at an organization where the content marketer just produced and I actually didn't have use for some of the things that she produced because they didn't rank on keywords. They didn't fit uh, an objection. They didn't fit my nurturing cycle. And that caused friction within the team. So to me, it has to be a joint effort. So based on having experienced some of that friction in the past, and then obviously having a much different experience recently with collaborating on content, what are some of those keys to collaboration that you feel have to be in place? Is it team structure? Is it just the person themselves? You know, what, what are some of those keys to getting people, demand gen and content marketing to partner for the best result possible? Ooh, good question. 
team structure can help. I think having high level goals on more than just top of funnel acquisition. So if the team can focus on improving, what is it like our, our MQ to appointment ratio and say the VP of marketing says this quarter, we're going to, we're going to increase how many leads actually make it through the funnel. Then the rest of the team can focus all our efforts on that goal. Um, I will say our VP of marketing does a very good job of setting those types of benchmarks for us. So as a, a full 12 person marketing team, not just content, not just demand independently, but the full team, we can try and aim for those goals. Nice. So even just having that bigger picture than like, I have to do this thing, put the round peg in the round hole, but actually see sort of like what actually is really happening with the customer and what we're, our bigger goals are. Sure. Agreed. I've, I've had some of those same instances before in the past and, and agreed. That's kind of worked for me too, where it's taking the focus off of like what each team is responsible for and like what the day-to-day minutia is in looking at sort of like the bigger picture. It seems to help, but yeah, there's always still... There, I've had, I have also some interesting friction stories with coworkers in the past, but yeah. Of course. Of course. It's like yeah. family. Exactly. Yes. I mean, sometimes <laughs> you see them more than your actual family, depending That's on fair. the work week. This past week, I've seen my coworkers far more than my husband. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about it the same way. It's true. I mean, it's the, the dynamic that we establish between these groups is so important. You know, it's this big question of who's going to own who's going to own that journey or who's going to own, we often call it on this podcast, the content experience, uh, because it's, it's not, as you said, just the content marketer and what they want to create. It's not just the demand gen marketer and what campaigns they need to run. It's what are the actual touch points that someone's going to go through you know, until they're ready to buy from you. And, and I think it was, it was a great summary that I keep coming back to the, you know, at the beginning of this podcast where you mapped the complexities of a buying cycle, you know, regardless of B2C or B2B, right? Even those short ones, they're still complex. And even more than anything, we got to make sure we don't lose a beat because the person's looking to buy right in that moment. So Definitely some some great takeaways that we've we've had here from you, Jessica. And you know, we've had a lot of fun just learning from you. We're gonna have a little bit more fun. If you can stick around after our little break here, we're gonna go in and get to know you a little bit behind the scenes. So right back here in a moment with Jessica Cross. We're back here with Jessica Cross. We've learned everything I think we, we can take in today from a demand gen content marriage that's going to last the long term, even though, as you said before the break, you haven't seen your husband as much as your, your, your team members. But I, I'm going to hit you with a question. It's, it's a get to know you question. I always like to ask people about movies and things like that, but this is a leading question intentionally. Okay. Um, so the leading question is, tell me your favorite Patrick Swayze movie and why. Do you, the question is whether you're picking up on my cue. Oh, I get it. Nice, Anna. Wait. Oh, now I'm stumped. I mean... I, 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 and he was not in Ghostbusters. Just to clarify, he was not in Ghostbusters. Ah. But I'm, I'm more into Dirty Dancing. Oh, really? Okay. I thought you were going to go with the pottery scene in, in Ghost. Oh, that's... Oh, now I know the clue. Now you know the clue. I actually just watched Ghost <laughs> two weeks ago. And thankfully, my Spanish is decent, but the, the movie was dubbed in 
I think Mexican Spanish, but then the subtitles were in Spain Spanish. So I was like trying to read. I'm like, I think I know what this movie's about. <laughs> well, I, I was trying to lead you into that pottery scene, which I just overly associate with that movie, even though it really is about a ghost. But um, what if, why don't you tell us a little bit about why pottery is so important to you? Because I clearly you know, screwed up the cue. So I do pottery. I guess you could call it I'm a ceramicist. I've been doing it for maybe 12 years now. And I go every Thursday night is my studio time at my studio in Berkeley. And then sometimes I'll, you know, go in on the weekend if I have something in progress. And surprisingly, this is the first year that I've actually been able to, to break even on my sales of my, my goods comparative to how much the hobby costs me. I joke that uh, pottery is my creative outlet because maybe my job isn't as creative as I want it to be, but that's, that's a lie. I get to do a lot of creative stuff at work. That's my joke about pottery. But there's just something nice about like throwing on the wheel or I used to, I used to do ceramics as well, which by the way, do you do throwing or do you do building? Which, which style? I mainly throw and then I tend to decorate or like carve or paint on the outside of my house. Real quick story time. So I, for electives in, in high school and college, I used to take ceramics because I loved it and it was super fun and, and agreed. It was, there's something very therapeutic and like almost like a level of meditation about it. Uh, and I remember Patrick Swayze comes up behind you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's, that's a. Either, either for that dirty dancing move down the arm or for pop. That's it's just all about coming from yeah that. That right. awkward but comforting behind move. So, I so, like I walked into that one. <laughs> that was never, never my experience with ceramics, but you know, good for them. Um, <laughs> but no, so my devastating experience with ceramics though was I actually finally um, built a like twelve inch, twelve inch tall um, throne piece, and it was beautiful and it was amazing, and I finally got like you know, the glaze right on it. And it was detailed and complex. And I went to go submit it to, um, like a show. And as I was getting out of the car, it just fell on the ground and shattered into a million pieces. And ever since then, it's just made me sad to think about like ceramics. I feel so how do you, Yeah. I was going to say, you've probably had way worse experiences. It's not that it's worse. It's the same experience. And we were joking about this in the studio last night, myself and the other women, it's mainly women in the class that, Pottery is an exercise in letting go that at every phase in that customer journey, just kidding, every phase. (laughs) So last night I was trying to just make some, um, some cylinders some lidded jars. I successfully created two, but killed the third. And that's just something that happens. You can kill it on the wheel. You can kill it, trimming it. You can drop it as you try to glaze it. It cannot come out of the glaze kiln. It's just a, an experience in, yeah, as you said, it's meditative and it's an experience in letting go. Yes, I love it. And I feel like that's something that you can absolutely bring back um, to everyday life. Well, Jessica, thank you so much again for joining us. It was really, really fantastic to have you on. This is a very fun podcast. Thank you guys. Fantastic. I'm glad you had a great time. So everybody, thank you so much as well for joining in once again. Um, You can find us wherever you find your podcasts, um, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all the good stuff. Do us a favor though. We'd love to hear from you. So when you do find us, please leave us a comment. Please leave us a review and let us know what you want to hear. Until next time, um, thank you for joining. Um, I'm Anna Harak from Convincing Convert on behalf of the always amazing Randy Frisch from Uberflip. 
This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.